Welcome into the bank, a show which covers the Baltimore Ravens and the NFL. The bank is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, the Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to episode 22 of The Bank. I'm here with my co-host, Gabe Ferguson. We want to talk a little bit about the Houston Texans-Baltimore Ravens game coming up this weekend. Um, you guys can join us for the conversation about that at BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com. You can also catch us on Twitter. He's at Gabe Fergie. I'm at BSL Jordan Co. We'd love to hear from you. Um, get in on the conversation. But uh, before we jump into the uh, the Ravens-Texans game, Looks like the Cleveland Browns have bounced back after their win, putting up a, a nice little game here against the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, we're, we're recording this as there's about two minutes left in the fourth quarter of this Browns-Bengals game, and the Browns look like a completely different team than the team that we watched. Um, I think the one thing that is consistent is their ability to run the ball, and that is something that I think is going to be their hallmark of the team this year. And I think it also speaks to the Ravens actually having a solid run defense they had a few big runs they let up but for the most part they did not get gashed like Cincinnati is getting gashed right now yeah not even close right like Hunt and Chubb have 32 carries between them and over you know over 130 yards or I think just 130 yards 5.6 per carry for Chubb 8.6 for Hunt you know you you know, if you take away that big run that Clay Campbell was running off the field and you know, you guys can check me out on Twitter. I got a picture of it. Clay Campbell is lined up outside of the slot receiver on this play. Um, and the Ravens are trying to get back lined up and the, the Browns are already set. Um, and that was the 29 yard gain. You take those away and, and Cleveland actually had less than like, I think 4.4 per carry between those two guys. Um, and then you factor in Mayfield and some of those other runs and like their actual average one was pretty low. So I think there's there's some optimism, <laughs> optimism. I'm using air quotes, but there's some optimism that the Ravens' performance was even better, um, given what we're seeing from Cleveland tonight. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, I mean, we saw some downfield plays from from Mayfield in this game too, where he looked a lot better. Um, I think the Ravens' defense just, you know, they have a lot of good pieces. They'll make a lot of teams look pretty silly, I think, over the course of the season. Yeah, and the Browns are, are are good up front on both sides of the ball. I think we already saw that. Uh, you know, what was stunning about the Ravens' win last week was that the Ravens got beat up on on the line on both sides of the ball, I thought, um, and managed to win by 32. That that almost never happens um, in the NFL. You, you win a lot of these games in the trenches. If you're getting pressure, you're getting in the other quarterback's face, or you're pushing the other defensive line around to run the way that Cleveland was pushing the Ravens around – um, you expect to win, or you at least expect a close game. Yeah, I saw I saw a stat on on Twitter tonight about uh, pass protection or pass protection win rate, and I think the Ravens were actually one of the worst teams um, in in week one in that metric. And I mean, if you watch the game, you saw that that really Lamar was a difference. He was able to maneuver the pocket. He was able to avoid pressure, get out, um, and you know make plays with his with his feet, and that translated into his passes. He was able to like, you know, break the pocket and pass on the run. And he had numerous completions downfield and there were often big chunk plays. Um, and, you know, I don't think the Ravens offensive line played terribly per se, but um, it definitely wasn't the best showing. And I think that's something to keep our eyes on as we move forward this season. Yeah. And, you know, 
let's just r- jump right into the Houston game. You know, I, I think, you know, as a starting point, um, you know, I, I'm going to talk a little bit about Houston's offense and what we saw from them. But I think, you know, as a starting point on the defensive side of the ball, what struck me was that Cleveland has guys that can generate pressure and, and make it difficult up front. Um, you know, I think when I look at the Texans and I know you, you looked into them a bit, a little bit more in their tape, but the Texans up front just don't have those same impact players across the line <clears throat> and, and on the that, uh, that the Browns did. Yeah, that's, that's true. I mean, they have JJ Watt, who obviously is one of the premier defensive players, I think still in the NFL, he's been a really dominant force for the past decade and he's, he's, he's still playing really at a high level. Um, you know, he, he's a player that they'll move all over the formation. I think he's probably best kind of at on the edge at this point of his career. He's, he uses his length really well. And, you know, he's someone that the Ravens are definitely going to have to account for. Uh, pretty much at all times because he's someone who can, you know, give any player a really bad day um, if he if he's not accounted for. So he's something to watch for. They have two pretty decent edge rushers um, and Whitney Merciless. He's, he's also been around for a while. He's I feel like he's a little bit on the downslope of his career, but um, he can still, you know, provide a little bit of a pass rush. And then on the other side, they have um, is it Jacob Martin. I'm trying to look at, I think that's his name. Um, and he's actually a pretty nice looking player. Um, they got him last year in the trade with, with, uh, Seahawks in the Jadavian Clowney trade. And he started to come on a little bit at the end of the year. And he, he had a sack in week one. He looked really good. Uh, he actually beat Mitchell Schwartz. who's one of the better right tackles, um, in the NFL. And, you know, he's, he's definitely got a little bit of a little bit of juice to him. Um, so, you know, the, the Texans do have some nice players up front. They have two good, um, linebackers, um, Cunningham and, and uh, Kenny. So they definitely have some talent. I think, um, you know, I wrote a preview article for Baltimore Sports and Life. And one of of the things I mentioned was the further away that you get from the line of scrimmage for the Texans, kind of the the lower the talent gets, uh, the worse the talent is. Um, At cornerback, they're not that great. And the safety, it's not great either. Um, Probably their best player is Bradley Roby in the secondary. And he's probably on the downside of his career. Vernon Hargreaves is a guy who I think is, you know, probably going to be out of a job midway through the season. He was discarded by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think he let up like 10 touchdowns last year in coverage. He's just not a good corner. Um, I mean, he was a first round pick. So I guess you think that maybe there's some talent there, but it just never really panned out for him. So I think the Ravens will have some opportunities against this team, but you know, you always have to account for like the main guys, like I said, with Watt, but overall it's, it's not a great unit that the Texans have on defense. Yeah. And if you look at the, you know, I think most of us probably, you know, watched the Kansas City game because it was the first game of the year and there was plenty of plenty of attraction and plenty of people tuning in for that game. And and to me, what really stood out was that they just I, I mean, they couldn't get Kansas City off the field um, when Kansas City wanted to get off when, it, when Kansas City wanted to extend a drive. There was just no stopping them. And, and you know, it wasn't even Mahomes. And, and you know, I, I, you know. If you, if you join the BaltimoreSportsAndLight.com, you'll see me write about how I think Mahomes and the gap between Mahomes and Jackson is not what you what you hear about on TV or what you hear about from the pundits. But there were guys running open, wide open, immediately on all those plays. You know, Mahomes was obviously critical on a couple of those plays, but a lot of those throws were just easy catch, you know, snap and throw kind of plays. Um, and the Texans just didn't really seem to have an answer for a team that's their division rival. Yeah, and the other thing that they weren't very good at was stopping the run. You know, they let the rookie Clyde Edwards-Hilaire 
basically run all over them. He had multiple, you know, chunk runs. Um, Kansas City was able to, you know, effectively just run at will. Essentially, they they really weren't able to slow down that run except when they got in close to the to the goal line. Um, that was the one place where the Texans kind of had a nice stand a few times um, when it was like, you know, right up um, in the in the jumbo package kind of situation. They they played pretty well there, but outside of that, you know, I don't I I didn't really see anything that stood out to me as like, oh, this is the thing you have to watch out for. I mean, you, you had a couple of plays here and there, and, you know, that's going to happen in any NFL game. They're, they have NFL players, um, but overall, they just looked overmatched. They, they didn't really provide too much of a pass rush, um, and honestly, I think that the Ravens will probably be able to handle that pretty well. Um, the one thing that you have to watch out for is if Ronnie Stanley is missing, um, and then we'll have to see if, you know, DJ Fluker is going to play left tackle, and, that, and that's the situation where it's probably not what you want to see. Um, but outside of that, I think, I think the Ravens match up really, really well in this, in this game. Yeah. And I was surprised Houston played a lot of cover two, like deep two shell looks in that game. And I think, you know, that speaks a little bit to what you were saying that they were trying to cover up for their secondary, make sure that those guys didn't get exposed. They don't want to get beat kind of deep if they didn't have to be. Um, even when they showed that one cover one look, you saw the first, you know, touchdown that got called back, but you know, the, you know, the, the Chiefs can run Hill kind of across on deep crossers in those formations and really open up the verticals for the other guys. And Houston just decided they weren't going to let that be the thing that was going to beat them. Um, and, you know, you put six guys in the box and it doesn't really matter yeah. what team you are. You're going to run the ball. Um, I'm interested to see, you know, I'm interested to see how Edwards Hilaire does down the stretch here. I think he looked fantastic. But when you've got when you've got that many, that few guys blocking those few guys, um, it's going to look a little bit easier. Um, you saw him really struggle once they got down into the red zone when he had to actually make gap reads where he had multiple guys in multiple gaps, and it just wasn't an easy one look, cut and go. Um, it wasn't quite so easy for him. So, you know, I'm interested to see what the Ravens do strategically on their defense too, because the Ravens really threw a ton of different looks, you know, in, in that sense of those guys. So are the Ravens going to stay in a deep cover too? And how are they going to respond to that um, as well? Yeah. I'm um, getting back to the Texans. I, I think they actually did a good job, as you mentioned, of, of taking away Tyree kill. And it might be interesting to see if they try and do the same thing with Hollywood Brown and say, you know, he's your downfield playmaker um, and we're not going to let him beat us deep and do a lot of that there's kind of cover two shells, whether it's too high man or, um, you know, a, a zone cover two kind of, or like your Tampa two kind of look. Um, if they do that though, I think the Ravens are just going to run all over them, just like, you know, Cleveland did, but even probably were more so because the Ravens, you know, if they're allowed to just uh, beat you up front, they'll, they'll put a hat on a hat and then they have Lamar Jackson and he's going to run for hundred yards or, um, or maybe it's going to be the rookie JK Dobbins who's going to run for hundred yards. I mean, they have so many people that they can give the ball to. This might be the Gus Edwards game. I mean, who knows? Um, so, and, they're, and they're, as we talked about before, the Ravens have the personnel to kind of go at you however they want. They can they can spread you out like five wide essentially. They can they can put two tight ends in the field and, and you know do different things with that. They can put two tight ends and a fullback on the field. Um, they just have so many things that they can do, um, and they can run all kinds of different looks out of those different personnel. So it's it's going to be um, a lot of interesting things that the Ravens can potentially do. Um, they might just try and run the ball and say, here, we're going to run the ball and, and you stop us. I, I, I think that Houston is going to struggle with, with either of those things. The Ravens should be able to pass or run depending on what Houston tries to take away. 
Yeah, I also thought that the Texans were the Texans got a bad rap in this game against the Chiefs. It was a lot closer through the first half than it actually looked on the scoreboard. It, realistically, it should have probably been fourteen to ten when the first half ended, and not seventeen to seven. If he makes that field goal, um, I don't think there's enough time for the Chiefs to go down the field, but they get the ball, you know, at the forty yard line, makes it a little bit simpler. Um, that missed kick was was kind of huge for them, um, and you know. Once, once it got to there, it really got away from them, you know, at that point. Um, and then I think, you know, Kansas City gets the ball in the second half. So, you know, I don't know. You know, it's going to be interesting to see whether the Texans can represent themselves better on defense. But it just struck me that other than the scheme of not letting themselves get beat deep, it didn't seem like they had a whole lot more to offer. Um, you know, you look at the Ravens defense on the other side, and they're going to bring scheme. They've got guys that can get home. Um, there are all kinds of different looks and ways that they can get after you. And it seems like your take is that the Texans just don't have those opportunities in front of them on their side. Yeah, essentially, I, I just think that the Texans don't have the players to really match up with what the Ravens want to do. Like, they don't have the guys up front that can – with so much pressure on the offensive line that it's going to make a long day for Lamar Jackson or really essentially win consistently in the run game. And they don't have the guys on the back end to match up one-on-one and, and take away players. I mean, like I said, we, we saw, they took away Tyreek Hill to some extent in this game, but then Sammy Watkins had, you know, a, a huge game because he was basically let, left alone and, and allowed to be open pretty much throughout the entire time. If the Ravens try it, um, do something similar, we could see, you know, Boykin have a big game, you know, or maybe, maybe it's DuVernay's breakout game or, or somebody else is going to, you know, fill that role. Um, the Ravens have enough players um, at wide receiver, at tight end, that they're going to be able to take advantage of holes in a, in a short zone if if the Texans are going to try and, you know, just like drop back in quarters coverage or drop back in too high. The Ravens are just going to be able to, uh, you know, carve that up. Yeah, and Kelsey had a big game for Kansas City, too. Um, he really kind of carved those guys up, you know, and, and you know, Kansas City uses him creatively and gets it open in a lot of ways. There was a really good screen pass for Kansas City to get a chunk of yards for Kelsey. The the touchdown pass, you know, if, if you guys haven't, you know, seen any of the clips online, you should go check them out on Twitter. But um, Mahomes threw that touchdown pass to Kelsey way before he was open and even even out of his break on that play it's it's it was really really an impressive show of quarterback skill but Kelsey had six for 50 I think he's gonna have you know he as in Mark Andrews is gonna have a big game in the same way I think the Ravens are gonna use guys like either Boykin or maybe we see Snead Mm -hmm. or DuVernay kind of really take those roles and we'll see I think we'll see a similar line from one of those two guys and a similar line um, from Andrews, if not better than Kelsey's line from from the week. Um, Andrews is your, I'd say he's your DFS play for the week. You know, he's your DFS play for the first three weeks. Last week was a total home run. I'd say it's going to be the same for the Chiefs next week too. Yeah, I think Andrews can definitely smash here. The, 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 the Ravens just have this ability to match up against other teams um, and take advantage of what the other team is lacking. And most people aren't going to be able to cover Mark Andrews very well. You know, if 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 Houston decides this is the guy we have to like double, like, you know, teams used to do the Gronk, for instance, like if they try something like that, then maybe Andrews doesn't have a big game, but then it's going to be like Snead or it's going to be Boykin or Juvenile or somebody else over the middle is going to fill that role. Maybe even Nick Boyle, maybe he goes off for five catches and, and 80 yards. You know, he's shown some ability to do that in the past, if, especially if he's just going to be running wide open. Jackson's going to find him. So, yeah, I'm not concerned about the Ravens offense in this one. I think it's going to be another high scoring game. I would, expect at least 30 plus points. Um, I think the question might be, are the Ravens going to be able to stop 
the Texans defense actually has, or Texans offense, I should say, that actually has some, some decent playmakers. Yeah, for sure. And and I want to definitely talk about those guys. I just want to get a little into the Texans strategy about the game what, and what they did on defense, because I'm, I'm kind of curious. It's It seems like the optimal strategy is like, right, like make Mahomes and Kansas City beat you down the field, make them convert their downs, make them make the hard throws. But Mahomes is such a good quarterback. Um, and, they, and and Edwards Hilaire is a good enough running back that they're going to convert enough of those plays and they're going to be able to beat you in that sense. Um, and in a lot of ways, as as the overview to the Texans offense, it felt like they just never had a chance to get on the field and never had a chance to get into rhythm because Kansas City had the ball so much, particularly in the second and third quarters of that game. You know, Houston came out on the first drive. They looked good. They had the ball. Like they, the, I thought that it scripted they looked very good. But I thought they shot themselves in the foot a little bit. In some ways, it's like, Make make Mahomes throw it down the field. If he's going to beat you for a touchdown, he's going to beat you for a touchdown. Um, but, you know, try and pick one of those passes off. Try and turn them over. Hope they go three and out on some deep shot because they have to. And, and don't let them dink and dunk their way down the field because it's not going to leave you enough time to win the game. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, the Texans got to the fourth quarter and they're just they were so far behind and they didn't have enough time left that it didn't matter what they were going to do at that point. Um, they're actually kind of still in the game, but I, you know, I hope the Ravens don't do take the same approach to Houston. I, I, I know historically Harbaugh's approach has been, we want to keep the game within one score. We want to keep it tight. We want to keep it close so that when we get to that kind of like final five minutes of the game, it's a one score game and we're either going to win it on our offense or we're going to win it on our defense and we're going to take that pressure and we're going to own it. And I think that works, but I think for, um, you know, and I guess I'm talking a little bit more about Kansas City, but I think I think we'll see a more aggressive Houston defense. This is my bottom line here. That we're going to see a more aggressive Houston defense. It's not going to sit back and let the Ravens do the same thing because the Ravens are a team that will dink and dunk their way down the team the field on you. They'll convert second downs. They'll they'll make good progress on second downs. They'll make you pay. And the Houston, we're going to see a completely different Houston scheme in this game against Baltimore. You know that that, that could very well be um, teams sometimes do a good job of, of, you know, adjusting week to week and, and scheming for team. And, and we haven't mentioned this, but obviously the Texans had a, a kind of a longer break. They, had, they have a 10 day rest coming to this game. So that gives them a bit of an advantage, I think, um, just having that time to prepare for the, for the Ravens. Um, but on the other hand, I think it still comes down to, you know, talent and coaching. And I think the Ravens have significant advantages in both those things. So no matter what the Texans try to scheme for, I think that the Ravens can just be like, okay, you do that, and we're just going to beat you this way because you can't stop us from doing that. Um, yeah. The one thing I'm concerned about is if the Ravens' offensive line with, um, looks bad, that's my biggest concern, um, and that's mostly if, if Ronnie Stanley can't play. But outside of that, it's just hard to see how, how even if the Texans are really aggressive and you know blitzing and whatnot, um, I, th I think the Ravens are still going to be able to, you know, make make them pay for that. I think, you know, Lamar will be able to find receivers downfield. I think they'll be able to find, like, the tight ends over the middle. Um, they'll probably use a lot of play action. They use a lot of play action in week one early on, and it really um, worked pretty well. And and I think that if the Ravens do some of that spread offense that they showed, um, especially in kind of some of the hurry up that they did um, against the Browns, I, I just don't see how the Texans can can slow that down because if, if you're going to blitz Lamar in that, he's just going to, you know, get a, avoid the pressure and find a wide open receiver. He did that time and time again in week one. I think the Browns have a better defense than the Texans do, and I, I just don't see how they're going to be able to slow him down if they, they try and go that route. 
Yeah, totally. Well, and and that goes to what you were just saying, which was that the Texans have a lot of weapons. And I think that they just ran themselves out of time in this game. Um, but they do have actually a lot of weapons. You know, it starts with David Johnson in that run game. And David Johnson looked very good in week one. Um, actually, I think a little underrated. I, I Duke Johnson took touches away from him that didn't make any sense to me when I watched the film in this game. Um, David Johnson's side-to-side cutting abilities between the tackles is exceptional. Um, and the Texans' approach to this game was very much um, – they were either running out of the pistol – or they were running out of the shotgun, but they run a lot of split back blocking, which means that they're bringing a guy from the strong side to the backside to take away somebody that's coming in. And then they're letting their running back kind of take a look at what is, what's in front of them between the tackles and, and make a guy miss. And David Johnson made consistently made guys miss. Um, the Chiefs, I don't think, are great at the linebacker position, um, you know, and particularly at the inside linebacker position. So it'll be interesting to see how David Johnson matches up against these guys. But his seven yards of carry were not a mirage in this game. And and in a lot of cases, they were against stacked boxes and they, against, you know, there were a couple, there were two runs of those 11 that he had that were against kind of wide nine light fronts where the, where the chiefs were kind of running quarterback spy consistently from the defensive tackle to keep or to keep Watson in check. Um, but other than that, they were pretty legit runs from Johnson and he looked pretty good. Um, I'd expect to see a much heavier dose of him this week, unless the if if the Ravens don't shut him down early. Um, so it would be ideal to kind of get him out of play and get the Texans out of sync because he did look like the David Johnson of a few years ago last week. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I thought David Johnson looked looked really good in, in Week One. I'm not sure he he has quite the burst, quite the explosiveness that he had maybe three or four years ago, but he definitely had some ability to break tackles. You know, he was able. I think he you know showed a nice little like lateral agility a few times. Um, and that, that's good to see out of him um, because I think a lot of people have kind of written him off um, or, and his career off, which is, which is something to say for a, a guy who was, you know, considered one of the, you know, the top three running backs in the league, not that long ago. Um, but if the Texans are going to try and, and run the ball on the Ravens, um, honestly, I kind of welcome that because I think that's a, a better game script for the Ravens. If, if the Texans try to just like grind it out, versus, you know, using their quarterback, who I think is, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I think he's the player that the Ravens should be more concerned about. Um, so if, if, if the Texans really try and, and slow things down and, and lean on the run game, um, and, be, and they might try and do that because, you know, they did have some success in week one. They saw the Ravens probably give up some runs in week one. So that maybe they're thinking we can, you know, we can use David Johnson and we can win this game by controlling the ball and, and running it. Um, Honestly, though, I think that that ends quickly and the Ravens get out to the lead and they, they just put the ball into Sean's hands. Um, I think that's where they have the best chance of winning this game is if Watson has a big game. Um, I, I just don't think that they can match the Ravens if they go that route. Yeah, and the Texans are surprisingly good at pass catcher. And I say pass catcher because I actually think that Jordan Akins is a very good tight end. Um, and you know, just, just quickly about the running game, the Texans also found a lot of success out of the pistol. I think we're going to see a fair chunk of, um, pistol lined up for the Texans. They looked really good out of those sets. And I think we're going to see more of that. Um, but when you talk about the pass catchers, the most, the most effective formations that the Texans ran out was on kind of like a three pass catcher to the right side of the formation when they were on the left hash, um, they had kind of Aiken and some combination of like, Fuller, Cooks, Fells, like another guy in the slot, but it was kind of 
guy tight end in Aikens lined up on the on the main like on the line you had a guy in the slot just inside of the numbers and then a guy on the outside and they ran a lot of really effective route combos from those guys and a, a lot of really effective route combos that they set up Kansas City later in the game um and Kansas City defensively decided that they were going to take away Will Fuller and so if if Aikens and let's say Cooks and some other receiver like Kenny Stills was on the right side, you actually saw Will Fuller and either another tight end or a split out running back on the left side. Um, and so Kansas City made the decision that they were just going to take away the deep shots from Fuller. They weren't going to let him beat him deep. They weren't going to let him kind of like burn their guy on a double move. And they were always going to stay behind him. And and that's the the final line for Fuller reflected that. He had eight catches for 112 yards catching a lot of slants, a lot of stuff underneath um, that the Kansas City just gave them. Gave them. And they didn't let him beat him deep. Um, and, and so there was a lot of chatter if you were watching the game live from um, the announcers basically saying, you know, Kansas City's really holding up well. They're, they're, they're secondary and their cornerbacks who you wouldn't think are good have, have played really well. And it's basically because they just wouldn't let him take those deep shots. And there were a couple times where um, Watson tried to take those shots when they weren't really – like his guy wasn't open and they weren't advisable throws. That being said, they ran a lot of stuff underneath that that was really effective. And I would expect to see a lot of that stuff again. There was, for example, um, a screen. Randall Cobb didn't get involved to the fourth quarter for some bizarre reason. But they ran a screen on a similar formation where where um, Fuller is inside kind of tight on the left side. And Cooks just or Cobb just kind of drifts back a little bit and they run a screen. And the Texans screened really effectively twice in this game. And those were the only times they did it. And I was a, a little surprised they didn't do it more. Um, so that's kind of one formation that I think that we're going to see more of. The other was Aikens essentially on the seam. You know, they, they just run Aikens straight up the seam and then run some other route combination behind that with those two receivers to the right. And um, Kenny Stills dropped two wide open passes, one on a slant one on a corner route where he was wide, wide open and he just, he just dropped the ball. So, you know, there's a lot of upside for what Houston showed, you know, in these games and between Fuller, Cobb, Cooks and Stills um, at the wide receiver position, that's a lot of speed. Um, and that's a lot of guys that can get deep. It seems like Cooks is fighting off a hamstring injury and he's not going to be as effective. That's, that's a big break. Um, cause it, it kind of takes away dual deep routes between Fuller and cooks and, and takes away that ability for them to go deep on both sides of the ball. Um, but they've still got some decent pass catchers kind of all across the board there. Yeah, I, I agree with, with that assessment, which is why I think that's probably the Texans best route to victory is if they, they kind of go with like the, the 11 personnel, three wides. Um, I, I agree with you. Aikens can be a weapon, um, at the tight end. Um, you know, he had a nice touchdown reception kind of like like you mentioned, he was basically just, he did a little skinny post, um, you know, and, and he was nice. It was a very nice pass from Watson. He was open for, for a nice little touchdown. Um, I think they're probably going to try and use him in that manner. They do do a lot of two tight end sets. Um, that is something that Ravens will have to watch out for. The, the Browns did that a lot in week one. And, you know, the Ravens had mixed results, I thought, against that personnel. Um, it's it's probably one of the more typical personnel groupings to match up with because I think if you give throw your base personnel out of them, then you have um, you know some issues potentially with having you know three receivers that can can beat you. Um, and if you play nickel, then you know you might not have the run defense that you want to have because they can you know bring those two tight ends in tight and then run at you. So um, between Jordan Akins and also Darren Fells, who's the other tight end that, that Houston uses. Um, 
you know, th there could be some issues there. Um, and then, like you said, you have the speed out wide and, and Will Fuller is definitely a very good wide receiver. He's been a player who's had some huge games um, in his career. He's just never been able to stay healthy. Um, and so far he's healthy. Um, he's, he's, you know, week two, hopefully, I mean, I mean, I don't want to see him go off against the Ravens, but um, he's a guy that I think the Ravens are going to have to account for. He's definitely the, the best player, I think, offensively aside from Deshaun on that team. And um, he and Deshaun have very good chemistry. I think I think Will Ford is very good at getting deep and, and Watson throws a nice deep ball. Um, I'm interested in seeing how the Ravens are going to defend that um, with the speed that the Texans have, or they don't do some, you know, similar things that, that Kansas City did, um, you try and take away the deep throws, play some two men, um, two high looks, and with the safeties, and just make try and force the Texans to throw the ball underneath. Um, that might be the best way to approach this game, and and you know let the let the Texans maybe run a little bit, let them throw the dink and duck stuff, dink and dunk stuff, and then when it gets down in the red zone, just tighten it up um, and try to um, keep them. Um, kicking field goals, uh, scoring touchdowns, not have those explosive plays over the top. Yeah, there's one particular play that that I think the Ravens need to be on the lookout for. The Texans like to use kind of some wide receiver, like jet sweep fake actions on sweeps. And for whatever reason, they decided not to try and burn the Chiefs on those plays. But there were a couple times where they run, like on the short side of the formation, they'll run a slant inside or like or something into the flat and then run the motion receiver to the outside of that and on a wheel route that basically where he can get to the sideline. Both times they ran that play, Watson threw it to the receiver on the slant and the short side, but he had a one-on-one -on -one matchup with that safety. And he had him kind of trying to decide between those two plays. I think we're going to see Houston take, take one look at that early, see how the Ravens defend it. And then if they don't have a guy over the top, like the chiefs didn't, I think we're going to see them try and hit that wheel route deep. Um, and if it's Marcus and I think they're going to run it at Marcus Peters and I think the first time they do it, they're going to try and bait him. And then the second time they're going to try and burn him. Um, and Peters has got the closing speed and the ability to catch up, but he loves the game hunt. He loves those interceptions. And I think that the Texans might try and lull him into that and, and run the receiver. And especially if it's like stills or cooks, if, if he can get a full head of seam, he can get behind him. And if it's fuller running that slant underneath it. I guarantee you Peters is going to be overpaying attention to him. So I hope the Ravens are kind of on the lookout for that. Um, schematically, the other thing that I saw that Kansas City did was really, I, I mean, attacking the way they rushed um, the Kansas City or the Houston offensive line was really effective. Houston's right tackle is terrible. <laughs> um, Tyus Howard is, or Titus Howard is terrible. Um there were a couple times where like he just let a free outside line, Frank Clark, like, so not just like any outside linebacker, right? Like probably the second best rusher for Kansas city, just absolutely run completely unblocked at Watson. Um, so I think the Ravens have got to show some looks where they're confusing Howard and they're coming at him at those wide angles, which the Ravens will do because <laughs> they, and they'll bring it in all kinds of different ways and all kinds of different heat, but they definitely have to attack him. Um, there was another play where Kansas City kind of overloaded Howard's side and then ran Nandi on like a loop to the outside. And Nandi just also ran around Tunsil. Um, Tunsil, if he's not directly engaged right away, seems to kind of not be the best blocker and kind of kind of get lost and wash out on some of those plays. And that happened a couple times um, in this game. Um, but most of all, the Chiefs did a really interesting thing where they essentially used the defensive tackle 
um, as the spy on Watson. And they would drop the defensive tackle about three yards off the line of scrimmage, or he'd push up at first and then drop right back. But they'd use that wide nine approach and basically keep Watson in the pocket. Um, and for those that have watched Deshaun Watson, he is the, does the most damage when he can kind of do that. And I won't call it a seven step drop. We'll call it a 10 or 13 step drop, get deeper than kind of the pass rush or let the pass rush run by him. And then loop to the outside left or right side, and then really burn the, that, that defense, either passing the ball or running the ball. Um, and the Ravens have had to see, seem to have a lot of success against Watson. And I haven't watched their tape from prior years, but my guess is that they run some kind of adjusted contain there as well to really keep Watson in check. Um, I was just really impressed with how the Chiefs did that. The contain really seemed to be not just from the outside linebackers, the wide nine guys, but also from the defensive tackles or the other kind of interior rushers that would kind of come up the middle and then break to the outside, depending on which way Watson went. Um, so I'm hoping that the Ravens kind of replicate some of that, but the Texans offensive line is just actually quite terrible. Um, and the chiefs are good on the defensive line and they have a good couple rushers like Chris Jones and Frank Clark are good. Um, but beyond that, they're, they're not a terribly deep or terribly effective, you know, rushing team compared to kind of some of the others that we see in the league. Um, so I expect the Ravens actually to, the reason why I would expect potentially the Houston not to really air it out um, is the Ravens pressure. And I'm really interested to see the chess match between Wink and Watson. Um, I've talked about on this, on this podcast specifically, how I have some concerns that the good quarterbacks will out chess match Wink because just give them enough time in their experience. And they're going to see where the pressure is coming from and they're going to be able to beat it and they're going to be able to tackle it uh, or, or they're going to be able to handle it. And so I think Watson's the first test of that on the year. And if Wink can kind of out chess match Watson um, consistently, then I think that says that the Ravens can can run this kind of scheme and still win kind of big games. Um, but the next two weeks are going to be a real test for how they approach it from that perspective and how successful they are. Well, Wink really outsmarted Watson last year. Let's put it that way. Um, he had Watson without having a clue as to what was going on throughout the majority of that game. Um, so, I would imagine that, you know, the Texans are going to go back and study that film and look and see what, what Martindale was trying to do um, and and say, okay, we're, we're not going to let you beat us with these same defensive schemes that you, you threw at us last time. And, I mean, it was basically just the same thing that Martindale does to every quarterback. He does these extravagant, you know, pressure packages where, you know, sometimes you'll show six people, seven people in the line of scrimmage, but like they're all going to rush, he'll, he'll rush – Four guys, you love to do these overloaded blitz where you'll, you know, rush four guys from one side, and drop three uh, from the other and kind of do this kind of fire zone. Um, and it's it's not something that quarterbacks can beat often because you have to really make a quick decision. Um, and sometimes, you know, Martindale will show that and then do something different. And, and that's, that's kind of the beauty of, of his scheme is He's not going to just continue to do the same thing every single time. Um, and you never know exactly where who's going to come and who's going to drop. And I think that's why it's it's really not something that's easy for quarterbacks to diagnose because you could, you know, be expecting one thing and he does a completely different thing. Um, and it's definitely true if you guess right and, and, you, and you think that you have a guy who's going to be open and, and, you, and that turns out to be the case and you can definitely beat this scheme. But... Um, there's a lot of times where the pressure is coming really fast. And if you don't get it out quickly, then you're going to be in trouble. So that's kind of the situation that I think the, the Ravens are going to put or try to put Watson in. They're going to 
definitely show a lot of different blitz packages. Um, that is going to be probably something that the O-line is going to have trouble handling. But it's really going to be on Watson. It's going to be on Watson trying to identify where the pressure is coming from. It's going to be on Watson identifying who his who is hot read is going to be. And if he can do that effectively, then he might make the Ravens pay. But for the most part, that hasn't been the case. Um, and even players like, you know, Patrick Mahomes has had trouble against this scheme. When we see Tom Brady have trouble against this scheme. Um, I think some of like the smartest quarterbacks have not necessarily done well. Um, over the past two years with Wink Martindale as defensive coordinator, we haven't really seen quarterbacks put up huge numbers like at all. It's, it's been a really efficient and effective defense and nobody has seemed to figure out exactly how to combat it. Um, the, the one thing that I think you can do is if you can break that initial pressure, then you get, can get, get by some time and find some players downfield. That's a thing that Watson can do really well. Um, and but last year, they really did a good job of containing him. Um, they kind of didn't necessarily go for this quick um, blitz where you would have all these guys, you know, breaking the contain. They did a good job of keeping contain, and that was part of their, their plan. And they were able to get pressure that way. Their coverage was able to hold up in the back end. And I think if, if they're able to do that, then it's going to be difficult for Watson to really make many plays. Yeah, I'll slightly quibble with you. I think Mahomes and his 375 yards and three touchdowns against the Ravens last year was pretty effective. Um, and they posted 30 plus points in that game. Um, but, you know, I do think that he has outmatched some quarterbacks. I think Watson in particular, at least what I watched him from the Chiefs game, I think he's a look, I think Watson is a very good quarterback, but I think he's more of a one read quarterback than it seems like he is. Um, and there were a couple of throws where he looks off his main read because, but I think Watson makes a decision when he gets to the line of who he wants to go to first. It may not be that he's not Baker Mayfield staring down his receiver and saying, oh, okay, I'm looking right. Cause I want to go right. There were a couple of times in the chiefs game where he was looking left, but you could tell that he was going to rotate right. And, and he knew which guy he thought was going to be open based on the coverage. And, and potentially maybe that's why the Ravens give Watson so much trouble um, that they, they confuse what he thinks he's going to get on his first read and then they they really give it to him and Houston has really not been very good against Baltimore um historically under Watson or re really even before that um and so you know maybe maybe the Ravens have Bill O'Brien's number a little bit he carries over some of that stuff that Tom Brady you know and Belichick were doing in their system and, and you're right the Ravens have certainly been really effective historically against Tom Brady um except for like a a, a few couple games uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of how that chess match how the Ravens really try and attack them. Yeah. So I was thinking of two years ago when the, when the Ravens played Mahomes in his MVP year, they really frazzled him a lot. Um, he was on the run a lot. The Ravens were almost going to win that game. Aside from that miracle fourth down conversion, if you remember. <laughs> um, I remember. Yeah. So last year, I think the Ravens, when they played Kansas city, they were missing some guys in the secondary. They still really weren't, hadn't gelled very well. And I think there were some issues in that, that game um, with blown coverages. Um, but I, yeah, so Mahomes definitely got the best of the Ravens last year. So maybe that's something to watch for. Maybe, maybe Watson will have kind of the same approach, um, ability to learn from his previous mistakes and make adjustments and figure out a way to, you know, attack this, uh, Ravens defense. And that's something to watch for, for sure. Um, but I, overall, I think that, you know, the, the Ravens just have good guys covering, their secondary, I think, is one of the best in the league, if not if not the best. They have two outside corners who are really going to 
be able to match up in man coverage against against the Texans receivers. And if you can do that, and you can then bring a couple extra guys in, you know, critical moments, um, it's it's going to be it's going to be difficult to consistently, you know, make plays downfield. I think. I just looked at the box score from that game from two years ago. Um, it's a mind blowing box score because Kenneth Dixon had a touchdown. Max Williams had a touchdown and John Brown had a touchdown <laughs> in that game. <laughs> and that just, you know, it's, it's all of a season and a half ago. And those names seem like way longer ago than that. <laughs> yeah. What, what, what was Mahomes' numbers in the, in that game? Uh, he had 377 yards in that game too, but on 53 passes. Yeah. So it was a far less efficient day. Um, but I remember that Tyreek Hill, I, I mean, I think Tyreek Hill also bails Mahomes out. You, you, Mahomes will sometimes just throw it up and hope that Tyreek Hill is going to go get it. Um, and they've got good chemistry and they're able to do that. And I think they know that they're going to do that sometimes. And he's just like, I'm going to throw it as deep as I can. Go get the ball. And if it gets picked off, it gets picked off at the five-yard line or or it's a touchdown. Um, and so I think you know Mahomes gets away with a little bit because of that sometimes. But yeah, I think you're right. I mean, the Ravens' corners really should be able to lock down Cooks and Fuller if they want to try and beat them deep. I think the Ravens should take a similar approach where Ben don't break, let them complete stuff underneath if that's what they want to do. Houston runs a really effective set of route combinations under there, um, particularly when they think they know what they're they're kind of trying to target and what they're trying to hit. Um, you know, even even that Aikens touchdown on the great throw from Watson that you were talking about, you know, that was one where they Watkins basically or Watson reads that it's man coverage um, and the linebacker just never turns his head around. I mean, he could have been in Aikens hip pocket and he, he would have caught that touchdown because the, the defender just never was able to find the ball and make a play on it. Um, so I think the Ravens have to be careful not to do the same thing. Don't let Aikens beat you in man to man without safety coverage over the top. Um but yeah, I think, you know, creatively, the Ravens have the edge. I think talent-wise, the Raven ha- Ravens have the edge. You know, I think we're talking about another 40-plus to teen or less game here um, for Baltimore matching up with Houston. The way you were talking earlier, you made it sound like you thought it was going to be a close game. Now you come with a 40-16 to 16 win again. <laughs> no, you know, I think that Houston does some really interesting things. Schematically, like their five-wide their five wide kind of route combinations and their ability to change it up and Watson's ability to get to the line early and call those is really effective. Um, and they're going to have to stop that. I just think they're capable of it. Um, I don't think it's, I don't think it's the most effective offense in the world. And I think, I do think David Johnson's going to be better than you think he is a little bit, but I think the Ravens are better up front than Kansas city is. Um, and so that's going to help a lot. Um, but the Ravens just need to get out early, which I think that they will do. Um, I don't think that Houston can stop them. Um, and I'd like to see them, you know, we, we say this, we, we've been saying this since the off season. We said it before last week, we'd like to see them come out and actually throw the ball early, <laughs> get out there, run up the score, kind of put Houston on the back seat, make them press, make them kind of throw the ball down the field. Watson made a terrible, a, a Daniel Jones like interception in that Kansas city game when they were coming back. I mean, he had Tyron Matthew in his face. He should have just ate the ball and taken the sack and he chucked it up. Um, to what would have been a really wide, he had, um, he had Fuller running or Fuller or Cooks. I think it was Fuller running deep one-on-one with Sorensen. So if he was, if he was in a clean pocket, he could have thrown that over the top and that was going to be a touchdown. Um, But he wasn't in a clean pocket and he just chucked it up and and it was an easy interception. So Kansas City had good field position, not just on that drive, but others. Um, And I think that the Ravens can kind of do the same thing. They just, they just need to 
they can't let Houston kind of stick around and think they're in the game. Um, and Kansas City did a great job of, I think, getting out in front in a game that they weren't really out in front of. Yeah, the, last last week with the with the Ravens, they, they did a great job of kind of going from, you know, I mean, they were in control of the game pretty much from the start. They led the entire way. But one of the things that they did was, you know, they made it a two-position lead. Then they got the ball back and scored another touchdown. And, and they have the ability to just kind of put this, you know, 21 points on a team in five minutes. Like, and when you do that to another team, it's really disheartening. It's demoralizing. Um, and it just – then you were out of your game plan. You're trying to come back. And it just kind of just ruins the whole thing. And we saw that happen in, in week one. It was, it was a close game, and then it wasn't. And that's just because of how – how impressive the Ravens offense is, how efficient it is, how quickly they can put up points. If you get, you know, three possessions back to back, you get a couple of stops and all of a sudden it's, it goes from like a seven to three game to a 24 to three game. Then it's, it's just, um, it's just hard to come back from that. And then, and the Ravens defense is built so that you can't come back from that. So if they can get a lead early, um, like they did in week one, you know, it kind of took about midway through the second quarter for them to start really putting the points up. But if that happens again, I just, I just don't see how the Texans are going to get back into this. You know, and we and I, one thing we didn't mention last year when they played, I think the Texans were without Will Fuller, um, and he is a bit of a difference maker. Obviously, they had DeAndre Hopkins when they played, so without Hopkins, that kind of maybe that's a little bit of a trade off. Um, but I, I do think that the Texans, you know, they have weapons. I think if if they're able to keep Watson clean, if he plays a great game, it could be potentially close. Um, but I find it more likely that the Ravens win this one comfortably. I think I have it as like 33 to 16 or something like that. It's going to be probably at least a, a two-digit win in my my guess. Um, but you know, you never know. Like we said, the Texans, they had the extra time to prepare. They might throw a few wrinkles at the Ravens. If they can get up early, um, you know, it might be a different game. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, if you had to pick a guy on offense and defense to be player of the game, who are you taking? So for the Ravens, I'm picking Matt Judon for defense. Um, I, I think he has a chance to really come out and have a big game, especially if he's going to be matched up against Titus Howard. Um, I think he could you know, potentially have a, a two-plus sack performance. He had a big game last year against the Texans. He might do it again. Um, on offense, I'm going to say it's going to be Hollywood Brown. I, I think that the, the Texans focus on Andrews a little bit. They try and take away him as, as the main target. And then uh, Brown gets deep a couple of times. He might score a long touchdown. I could see that happening. Yeah, I'm going to go with Mark Ingram. I think he has a bounce back game. I think he's probably pretty frustrated with his performance for Baltimore last week. I think as much as you and I would like to see them uh, passing the ball more, I think we're going to see way more of the run. I think we're going to see the pistol back this week. I think we're going to see the Ravens run to the right a lot more. Um, because whether Stanley is healthy or not, I just think we're, we're just going to, it's going to look a lot like the Ravens offense last year, I think this week. And I think we're going to get a heavy dose of Mark Ingram um, just because the Ravens, you know, they love him and, you know, they don't, they're not going to want chatter of kind of JK Dobbins overtaking Mark Ingram, taking over this early, even though I think there is a shot that happens um, on defense. I'm going to go with Clayus Campbell. I thought, you know, um, Chris Jones dominated that game for um, Kansas City last week. Even though he might not have been the guy that filled the stat sheet the most, he had the biggest influence on that game. He was the reason why you had tackles one-on-one -on -one with those outside guys. So it's very likely that Judon is the cleanup guy or Bowser is the cleanup guy 
but I think that the guy that in the same way, Calais Campbell had a similar game last week, I think where, you know, if it wasn't for the interception tip that, that, you know, on that first drive, he still had a really influential game all across the board, even though it didn't kind of show up hard in the stat sheet. So I think we're going to see something similar from him. Um, Though we're very well, uh, you know, counting out Marcus Peters at this point, you know, I think that, Watson's going to take some shots and, and he's going to try and jump those. And there's anytime you get a pick six, that's going to be the guy. So I'm going to go with Calais Campbell and, and one B being Marcus Peters. <laughs> well, if you're going to give me one B, I'll call it out to Sean Elliott and say, maybe he has a breakout game and it's a pick and a forced fumble in this one. Yeah. I'd like to see that. You know, I, I thought Elliott and Clark played really well in combination last week. So um, I was glad to see that. And, you know, it was good to see the the secondary, particularly at the safety level, not kind of, choke it all away right after all that Earl Thomas drama, like no chatter about the Earl Thomas cut at all the end of week one. And that was, that was due in large part to Elliot's really good play. He had a couple of really big hits, um, probably the loudest player for the Ravens, um, you know, last week. So, you know, hopefully he does. Hopefully that pays dividends. Thomas, by the way, still a free agent. I know. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Maybe the Ravens can sign him to their practice squad. (laughs) All right. Well, um, you know, I think we got to keep an eye on those injuries. Ronnie Stanley's a big one. I'd rather they keep him out for this game if it means he's going to be healthy for the Kansas City game. I think, you know, the, the only thing I'm worried about for this week is that, a, a le- that the Ravens are already looking ahead to Kansas City. I think they are looking ahead to Kansas City. I think the front office is looking ahead to Kansas City. I think Matabuke, Hill, and more weren't IR'd because Kansas City was week three. Um I think I think this team knows that they've got to beat Kansas City if they want to beat the one seed. Um, and I'm a little worried that on the road in Houston has got a little trappy feel to it, which is also why I want to see them come out big early. I don't really buy into that with this team. I think the Ravens are extremely well coached and extremely disciplined. Um, I think they've proven that over the years that John Harbaugh is going to have their team prepared and ready to go. Of course, there's always a game or two where you're like, what were they doing? But um, I, I don't think it's going to be this week. I think they're hungry. I think they're focused. I think they're going to come out and really dominate this game. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I, you know, I'm just putting it out there. You know, I thought with the, I thought that there was a little bit of looking ahead to Kansas City in the Titans game last year. Um, I didn't think that the prior year, San Diego was just a disaster of a game. And I'll, I'll put that firmly on Marty Morningweg. I thought, I thought he just, I thought that game, that loss was on him to me more than the team. Um, last year, I thought Baltimore was looking ahead to Kansas City against Tennessee. I just worry that that there's a little bit of the same here, um, but no fans. That's helpful. Um, not a long trip. I think, you know, I, I think it's just a little bit different of a dynamic. And I think the the talent gap here is actually wider than it is the Tennessee team too, except, except a kicker. Tennessee's terrible at kicker. <laughs> That's really funny. It's these two years in a row. They're just abysmal kicking the ball. Um, I don't know. Some teams just like have these weird things that stick with them. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think that definitely last year's playoff game was maybe a little looking ahead, also a little bit of just some bad luck in terms of injuries and just some things that happen on the field of play. Um, but maybe that wasn't quite as, as focused as we'd like to see a team being. Um, but I, I think this, I think they're they've seen that in this team. I think Lamar Jackson is going to have his team ready to go if Harbaugh doesn't, and I think they're just going to come in and 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 you know have have this game won by the end of the second quarter. Yeah, well, I hope so. Let's. We're all cheering for the Ravens this week. Um, thanks for joining us here on the bank. 
Um, my co-host is Gabe Ferguson. He's at Gabe Fergie. I'm Jordan Coe at BSL Jordan Coe. Um, check us out at BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com. I'm going to see if I can get some pictures up on Twitter of some of those plays in that five wide sets and those screens that I was talking about um, for the Texans before the game this weekend. So check me out there. And uh, thanks for tuning in today.